0: and welcome ladies and gentlemen we are live with the first episode of coffee and gaming this is a podcast that we are doing to basically bring sort of awareness to our lifestyle and have some fun with it along the way as well we're gonna for example talk about video games and baseball today because those are two things that we both enjoy doing together and when i say both of us i am of course talking about my better half my wife hello Hello, nika how are you well i'm good i got some coffee here uh, Cheers! In, in honor of the title of this podcast, which is Coffee and Gaming. Can you enlighten our listeners as to what kind of coffee we're drinking over here?
1: We are drinking a French press coffee, which is a mixture of hazelnut coffee, regular coffee, and a tablespoon of coconut oil.
0: And what does that coconut oil do?
1: It's really good for your brain. It just gives you some flavor. It gives you a little energy.
0: Well, we can get into the specifics yeah. maybe of oil later on in this podcast, but just to give people a little teaser of some of the information that we're going to be providing is little stuff like that. Why do we put coconut oil in our
1: yeah. I'm not prepared to explain exactly the intricates of every single detail in my coffee right now.
0: Fair enough. But we will have plenty of that later. Yes. We wanted to go through and, and talk about a couple of fun topics this week to kick this show off. I think we should make a general announcement up front that we're, we're probably going to be talking about lifestyle and food almost exclusively every week. Some kind of topic relating to that. and And one of the reasons, I think, for that is because it's just a relevant topic. Food in 2023, right now is under assault from a lot of mainstream media outlets voices in general
1: and the people that make that food and there's a lot of confusion out there and it's hard to dissect what's good what's bad we're just gonna talk about what works for us if it works for us it might work for somebody else it's not a medical advice by no means but somebody can you are like you know i'll give it a try why not what i got to lose
0: at the end of the day i think there's a lot that people in the mainstream world that are just living day to day trying to make ends meet they can take a lot from both of our stories with regards to the lifestyle changes we made we'll be getting right into that in in a few seconds here but before we do I'm just gonna let everyone else know we're gonna be talking about 2023 baseball season coming up probably at the end but we're just gonna give our thoughts on a couple of our favorite teams and then from what we've seen in spring training so far maybe touch on the world baseball classic a little bit because that's going on right now
1: some good fun good prediction,
0: yep. Yeah, and then we're also going to talk about Hogwarts Legacy, because... The controversial game... Hogwarts Legacy has been out for about a month now. And it's a good time to talk about We had a lot of free release disagreement about be a good game or not worth buying. (laughs) And then I think we're going to talk about both of our initial reactions to just playing through it and then our overall thoughts and feelings about where it's at and where it's going to go in the future. Yes. But first, back to food.
1: All right. Maybe we should say that our lifestyle, it's not a diet to start with. It's our lifestyle. It took us a long time to get to where we're at. It's not something that happens over overnight. Just get that out of the way that we are promoters of a low-carb animal-based diet. We don't promote one way of eating to the other, but this is what we decide for us. You know, some people might implement more things into it, like any more nuts, fruits, whatever. We found that living this kind of a lifestyle, sustain your weight, it's a food freedom. You yeah, know, we're promoting this kind of a lifestyle because it's good for your body, mind, and spirituality.
0: Absolutely. And there's another side of the coin, which you didn't mention, which is intermittent fasting.
1: Or time-restrictive eating.
0: And we eat for a very minimal amount of time, four to six hours.
1: Yes. And I, I have to say one thing. For women, is a little different. You have to be mindful of your hormones versus for a guy. There are little nuances that need to be ironed out, but it's all personal at the end, how it makes you feel.
0: Let's go back to the beginning, We started this in December of 2019, if I'm remembering correctly. And this is now three months before... Everything's about to get shut down with COVID for the first time, which was at the beginning of March. Just to give people an idea in time and place and where we were in history, that's when you and I sort of began our journey into this lifestyle. And I don't remember all of the particulars around why we began it at exactly that time in December, but I do remember that we had seen the Sugar documentary that Katie Couric did. I think it's called Fed Up.
1: With Dr. Robert Lustig.
0: And, And that movie really, for the first time in my life, shown a light on just how much and how bad sugar is for you. And and if you look at where we are in 2023. yeah. So this movie is from 2014. Robert Lustig is in the movie, as is Gary Taub. Just to remind people, he did writing for the New York Times. Mark Hyman is also. I mm-hmm. think he advocates exactly for the same lifestyle you and I do, but he definitely knows about the dangers of sugar. I'm looking at this right now and like the slogan on the cover says Congress says pizza is a vegetable and this is one of the famous stories that's discussed in this movie. What winds up happening in the movie, just to give people a little taste of what we learned, is Michelle Obama's food bill, which was how she was doing all this good work for children and for kids. A part of that was that Amy Klobuchar had to save this Schwanz factory in Minnesota, which is her home state. And Mm -hmm. Schwanz, for people that don't know, is just a bunch of crappy prepackaged fro- frozen pizzas, they used to sell this stuff to kids after school and their parents would show up a month later and pick up like boxes of frozen food to bring home. It's all just garbage. It's all processed and in this case loaded with sugar because the pizza sauce that was on the pizza was loaded with sugar and that was the whole point of this. And it was like, oh, but pizza is a vegetable because it has tomato sauce on it. The Whole point of this was that children in schools were allowed to be served pizza still because it. kept the Schwanz business in business and they got away with it and got to say that it was a nutritious meal by saying that it had a vegetable in it because it okay. had tomato sauce.
1: And since then this only gets worse and worse.
0: Check out the movie. We're not going to spend the whole time talking about Bill Clinton at the end when he's interviewed basically is forced to admit that they did not do enough or the right things when they were in position of power in the 90s and they only enabled this problem to get worse. And Oh yeah. It's amazing to me that this this movie came out more than ten years ago, and it it, it highlights childhood obesity, diabetes. It, it's one of the biggest things about it is because this is happening to our kids, and they're getting bigger and fatter.
1: And that's ten age. years ago, and since then, it's get worse as every year progresses because the kids' parents are so busy with three jobs, four jobs, three kids, kids in school. I mean, it all comes back to the dietary guidelines. That's a lot.
0: We'll go into about this topic, and we might even talk about this movie more. There's
1: a couple other great movies about fat and how important dietary fat is to our bodies.
0: Well, I think this is a good time to transition. We, we talked about eating a high-fat, low-carb diet and we talked about the dangers of sugar that we've learned about. Why did this idea first come into your head? You know, Because I think you were the one that pretty much started this into our life. We share a life together and you brought this into it. So where did that idea originate it? Maybe this is the way?
1: There's not a specific one thing that prompted Oh, we're going to do this from now on. There was multiple things that happened at once. Seeing you constantly getting bigger and bigger and then trying to yo-yo diet and then getting slimmer a little bit, but never getting to that weight, ideal weight that you wanted. And then I saw a podcast on Joe Rogan with Sean Baker, where he eats only carnivore. And I was like, wow, I haven't heard that before. (laughs) You know, everything was catered towards vegans, vegetarians and how great it is but then you look at the results what that brings and it's the opposite
0: so we've been together over 11 years and since the time we met each other we both strive to at least attempt to eat a primarily quote-unquote healthy
1: at least that's what we thought
0: but yeah if you follow what is the mainstream acceptable healthy diet it's gonna leave at least us feeling not very good at it, you know
1: oh my goodness I remember eating meals and like, oh, I can't move afterwards, or oh, my stomach hurts.
0: You're not a big person. You've never been, you know, you're five, six, five, seven, and you, you've never really been over 135 pounds in your life
1: right i kept my weight because i have physical activities you know i do the calories in calories out it was like yeah, that was, your that body was, body was body. a mantra yeah that was sold whatever you put it in you just burn it out by going the treadmill like a hamster wheel that's not how your body works unfortunately
0: you never looked though like i didn't look jump. heavy or overweight whereas like me not so lucky right yes uh, you
1: were always saying i'm the oddly shaped person
0: you know weight is something that i struggled with even since height. In fact, as I sit and stand here today, you know, I'm like fifty pounds less than I was my senior year of high school.
1: That's a great accomplishment. Not a lot of people can say that.
0: Five years later? No.
1: No, not no. twenty five years later. What you see when you when you look at your friends from high school.
0: G- generally tend to see the older people get, like the more of the struggle. Right. Even on people that were physically fit and and had six packs or whatever yeah. in school and were showing an
1: And it's nothing about people they might have the best intention to lose weight it's just hard because what's in your food but the fact is that people are not aware there are chemicals put in your food to make you want to eat more
0: the simplest way to say it and move on from it for now is to basically say that the game is rigged against you the amount of additives and processing that's going into it is
1: there is no food in your food
0: that's what we often say there's (laughs) no food in your food. And and this is why, quote unquote, people have begun eating all day and and is what we call grazers. And and this idea was even sold as a part of weight loss in the early 2000s. Just this idea that like, oh, the more you eat, the more that your digestive system is working and the more calories you burn. It's just an interesting topic, I think, for 2023. And I think just to put a bow on it, you know, for this conversation, I kind of want to give people a taste of some of the information we're going to be providing on this podcast. Sure. I'm getting warm already by thinking about it. That's funny. So just set it up for people. Like, we're back in December 2019, and I weighed about 240. I had just come off a job where there was a lot of snacks available. I wasn't sitting there eating the snacks all day. I don't want to paint the wrong picture. I was getting into this bad habit of eating four or five cookies in the morning with coffee. And I already had oatmeal and I had already had something at home. They were made with cane sugar or, you know, they were made with different ingredients that were clean or healthy. I kind of bought into this idea where I would like just sort of snack on this stuff throughout the day, like yogurt covered raisins and like other, other things that they put out. ultimately I wound up getting up to about 240, which was not necessarily something new for me, but as someone that was a yo-yoer, like I, I had just come off like a, a high end. So I was like, I had just come off of eating all these snacks and I had got and then I got a new job and then I, I lost access to the snacks and we had just seen the sugar documentary. So a lot of stuff started happening at once. And then you kind of found the high fat, low carb diet.
1: Yes. The the podcast von Rogan drove me to do more research on how do we go from what we do what we eat what is the best transformation to that
0: do you remember what specific voice
1: i know dr sean baker play a huge role in the carnivore space for me to understand the basics of food what happens when you eat food that started the journey and from there i just start digesting every single book podcast about low-carb diets found other doctors and all that
0: stuff the important thing is is so just give people a quick succinct summary of what happened over the next six months. We went through this gradual change where we kind of started eating more and more later every day. Yeah. We started at eight in the morning and slowly became nine and then 10 and Oh, yeah. Went all the way up to like one, two o'clock.
1: I remember one little story. We're walking through Trader Joe and it was during pandemic. So there was a line. We had to wait, you know, how the lines used to be. Yep. And it was noon and you, it's past my feeding window.
0: Yeah, it was a hard challenge.
1: It was at first. Would you say the mental aspect of that played a role because you mentally prepare yourself oh, a certain way?
0: I just think the mental expectation for mm. food in general is like why a lot of this happens. Of The food will sort of take hold over you over time. It's designed and engineered that way. And it's something I think that people don't see even when they think they're being healthy, drinking a glass of orange juice and having more than a day's worth of sugar in just a glass in front of you and just downing it in 10 seconds.
1: And thinking it's healthy.
0: And and you're doing it and going like, oh, the commercial says it's so good for my heart. I'm preventing heart disease right now. You're probably feeding a sugar addiction that's going to come back throughout the day. Yeah. So... When we say the system's rigged against you, I think that's sort of what we mean where like the advertisers have become like the sort of gatekeepers of food information. Yes. Oh, we're we're taking care of you so much and at the end of the day they're just trying to sell more orange juice than they sold last year.
1: Yeah, that's the bottom line. Absolutely.
0: When you look at every single food that's out there, yeah, people are going to keep having children so there's going to be a constant need to like keep feeding more people and the population is going to keep growing and stuff but we're talking like way outside the normal Mm -hmm. spectrum here and what's really happened is people eat a lot more food than they used to. The main thing I want to get back to, we over the six-month period of time, we pushed the feeding window back further and further and further. And I think we got to about midday. And then uh, I don't remember when exactly it was, but just for argument's sake, we're going to say about six months later. So we'll say June. Okay. I stepped on the scale. Uh Uh-huh and it was like holy crap I hadn't really realized how much weight I lost I think that's when I first started to be like maybe we're really onto something here you know at that moment a couple things happened I, I started exercising a little bit more regularly when it came to just running and starting to do some more push-ups and sit-ups and stuff like that so anyways I started paying a little bit more attention to my physical activity at that time we we kept going with the fasting and then and, and we basically got to this point where we were eating like from one until six most days and we would just kind of get up and start over again.
1: Yeah. And we were still eating, I don't want to say processed food because we weren't, but we still had like fries, maybe store-bought fries, not homemade fries. We quit all the cereals, all the grains. We did quit
0: that. I think that was the biggest thing that went was like the bread over time and then pasta. was Yes. It's, it's amazing what happens with just giving up those two things alone. I don't know if I'm speaking for everyone here, but I feel like I got to be. You know, <laughs> when I say that bread and pasta just expand inside of you, like after you eat it. So it's one of the easiest things to overstuff yourself on because you can't actually feel it happening until it's too late.
1: Yeah, that same would go with, like, pop, you know, you get the diet pops. You can drink and drink all day long, and at the end of the day, you are still thirsty.
0: I just remember leaving luncheons at Olive Garden or other Italian places. Fully stuffed. So stuffed and, like, hardly able to move. And, you know, I think one of the things that I've realized over the last three and four years of doing all this, is that that's not a normal feeling. That's a sickness that you're indulging on yourself. You're making yourself sick, literally. And it's it's so easy to do.
1: And also the excuses. Oh, that's a normal feeling after you eat pasta. When you feel stuffed up, you can't move, or you feel sleepy. Imagine if you were feeling like this, you are caveman, and all of a sudden, you have a hyena, a lion on your ass. How is that going to work out for you?
0: Not well. So that's a little bit of history. And just to sort of put a cab on this. I wanted to sort of provide the listeners with a little bit of information. Like what can you expect to get out of this podcast in a sense, if you were to listen to it, I think a basic thing that you do a great job of explaining is this notion of like what happens to food when it goes in the body. And and we're going to keep this really simple right now because we've been talking about fat and we've been talking about carbohydrates a lot. And I think this is something that more people should know. This is like our human bodies. Like, so how does it work? So do you want to start with carbohydrates? or fat when
1: you are born baby you drink breast milk which is all saturated fat in ketones your baby is in ketosis all the way then you start introducing carbs and that just disappears our body runs on two fuels really either carbs or fat when you look at fat it's like a clean fuel when you refill once and you can run all day long on it because it's more dense more satiating. When you start eating carbs, you refuel every couple hours. What happens when you eat breakfast, cereal, two hours later, your body is signaling, I want more food. You didn't satiate my energy expenditure inside. So, on the basic level, it's like a car. You put a gas into a car once a day, and you can run for a long time if you fat adapted. When you sugar adapted, which is a standard American diet, you refuel every couple hours. You basically graze. You... Like you're having a hole in your tank.
0: So quickly though, like explain that for people. Why why carbs just automatically become sugar? And-
1: the basic biochemical reaction, you eat carbs, your liver has to break them down to parts that understands it, whether it's fat, protein, or carbs. Those are the three things that your body operates on. All the food you eat gets broken down by your liver. Your liver and your hormones and your insulin determines what to do with that food.
0: Like you know, a minute after I finish my plate.
1: Your body will prioritize. Your liver will break down the carbs first because it's just easier. That's how your body operates. It's easy to break it down. It uses for energy. If whatever it's not being used, it's being stored as fat. The protein gets processed later because it takes longer for the body to process your body will try to find the easiest way to function.
0: It's basically like a hack.
1: Right, because your body will use fat as an energy, protein as a building block. The body cannot store sugar, we cannot. We store fat and we build muscle with protein.
0: How does sugar get turned into fat?
1: Your body can only have teaspoon of sugar in your bloodstream, right? Everything above that has to be stored somewhere. And since we don't store f- sugar, the sugar gets converted to fat and it gets stored in a fat, in your tissue, in your organs. There is no storage capacity in our body for sugar.
0: Just sort of like set a baseline fundamental understanding because it's not something that everyone learns in their life throughout even high school, and you should. You should. It's really important. You know, when we talk about self-governing and the idea of we can all only look out for ourselves based on everything we said today, is that it's very easy to see how bad society has become when we watched the JFK movie. And when you watch the JFK movie that Oliver Stone maybe or we just kind of watching an old JFK movie, 1991, Kevin Costner, we were watching it in bed one night. And and the, the one thing that's interesting to note in 2023 about... JFK is the way it starts is it starts with a big montage of archival footage. It goes through Dwight Eisenhower's like farewell speech all the way through to Kennedy's assassination in the aftermath and Lyndon Johnson getting inaugurated and everything. But what you notice in that footage is there's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of everyday normal American people around, especially in Houston. There's a lot of people interviewed and you see crowds of people. Sure. You will notice if you watch that is there's not any fat people. Yeah, that's true. I'm not saying there weren't fat people in 1960, there were. But if you look around, if, if that assassination or if that kind of an event were to happen today, you would see a very different crowd. I bet if you looked at the, the footage of the Las Vegas shooter, you would see a, a different mixture of like healthy and fat people in there. And, and if we don't start talking about it as an unhealthy thing, then more and more people are going to think that it's okay. If you look at where we were and where we've come, we are not heading on a good trajectory as a society. Society, and the numbers are telling us all this and there are people that are ringing alarm bells out there but it's just not breaking through to the mainstream and it's a big challenge so I think that's just one of the main reasons why we want to start talk- talking about this stuff more is we want to just do our part with it
1: yeah
0: okay <laughs> start one of our first times talking about this all out in the open and I definitely don't want to confuse people sure and definitely don't want to miss anything important or or skip over something that we forgot absolutely hopefully this was a good baseline introduction and something into- some of the things that why we're doing high fat, low carb, but I guess also, I don't think we talked about it. I, I, I lost 80 pounds
1: you did and you kept it off,
0: which is even harder i wound up losing 80 pounds by the time it was all said and done and now i've also kept it off for you know over a period of two years plus now so i think we have enough street cred in a sense to start talking about this for people because there's a lot of heavyset men out there that are probably doing what i was doing like hey i'm living a healthy lifestyle it's just not in the cards for me yeah all right
1: Switching topics?
0: We've been using some of our free time over the past month to play Hogwarts Legacy, which yes. is. Harry you know, Potter? Well, it's not Harry Potter. He's not even born in. This. <laughs> that's it's, true. It's, uh, it's in the Harry Potter universe. Yes, sure. And it's a, a new open world RPG game. I guess right now you can play it on Xbox and PC and PlayStation, PlayStation 5. And it's coming out to previous gen consoles in the future, but that's that's not out yet.
1: In a few months, I think, right?
0: Yeah. So we've been playing it for about a month and it was fair to say, correct me if I'm wrong, that before this game came out, you were not necessarily a big fan, I guess, of like what you were seeing and and you you were kind of like not sure.
1: Yeah, I had some reservations. I I didn't find the game to be the greatest game on earth the ads didn't come through for me like that i had issues with some graphics how's that gonna work I, I, I was really hesitant about this whole thing
0: it's so tough to tell with marketing nowadays because it's all quote-unquote preview footage and like this isn't necessarily the final render of yes. what the graphics are gonna look like and
1: i'm a graphic snub well you know? I
0: started gaming on ps4 I've been playing video games since 1988, so I've had a little bit more time to grow with the art form. I get it. But I understand what you're saying, and I have no desire to go back and really play old games unless it's Final Fantasy.
1: Yeah, I know. That's okay.
0: Okay, so back to Hogwarts, though. We wound up getting the game. Yeah. Started playing it on the pre-release because we got like this deluxe edition. Since we're able to game share, we generally will buy the deluxe edition for 10 bucks more or whatever just because...
1: Two of us enjoy
0: it. This particular time, we were actually able to play the game three days earlier just for ordering the deluxe edition. So for 10 bucks, basically, you get to play the game three days before other people. So that's kind of funny. Before the game came out, I don't know if I was all that excited about it. I was hopeful that there was going to be a good story in there. Yeah. That makes sense. I was hopeful that they were going to add something fun to the Harry Potter universe in a sense where, you know, I think we had Fantastic Beasts and that's sort of fallen flat as a series at this point. And now this game was like another chance at it. And I think it's been successful just to change gears a little bit. The the pre-release feelings were not necessarily great, but I think I was a lot more hopeful. And now that we've both played it, I think it's fair to say that it sort of exceeded both of our expectations as far as. Like, we like open world RPG games like The Witcher, and I'm trying to think of like some other.
1: Oh, Assassin's Creed is RPG. Yes, RPG games are fun. I think my hesitancy was seeing all the Marvel games and how dog shit they look.
0: There was a bit of the Avengers game and Guardians of the Galaxy. We didn't really care for any of that stuff. And I think just in general, sometimes with bigger properties like the Lord of the Rings games, they just didn't grab us necessarily like the way The Witcher did or some of these other games.
1: I think Witcher is a great, even Cyberpunk, we didn't buy Cyberpunk till later because of all the glitches, problems with the game, but when it was all fixed, I enjoyed the game really good. I like to play. I'm looking forward for the expansion. Going back to Hogwarts, that game did exceed my expectations. It's fun. It's a little different, but overall, I enjoy it. I really like it. Yeah. And it reminds me of The Witcher.
0: It, in a weird way, it does. Like, I think it has that kind of scenery, castles... Uh... Yeah, yeah. the water. Yeah,
1: it fits with that universe.
0: Endless wandering around exploration you can do, especially early in the game. And you can just walk around the castle and try and find little secret things hidden through Yeah, it's fun. There's a lot more to the game. I initially realized, I knew that there was going to be the room of requirement that you would have to make potions and then you have to assume in an RPG that you will have to gather ingredients and stuff. And that's all true. You do. What I didn't know, for example, and spoiler alert, is that you would have to like capture your own beasts and and bring them into the room of requirement and then feed them and pet them to get resources. Also, you can breed them and make children. It's cute. And And it's like, yeah, Especially if you're, like, into animals. None of the animals are real animals. They're all made of magical beasts. And But you got your thoughts and your hippogriffs and...
1: Nifflers. It's very fantastic beasts, that aspect of it.
0: For sure. And, and I think that was really something I didn't see coming.
1: But it's a great addition to the game. They didn't miss opportunities.
0: I think the combat over time has been something I've grown to enjoy. There's a certain patience you have to have. You can't just button mash.
1: It's not a shooter game.
0: You have to carefully try and plan out and and have your spells mapped in a way where it's easy for you. to use.
1: That's my one issue, the spell model. That aggravates me because being dyslexic like this, sometimes it's, oh my God, which button do I press?
0: I think it was one of the things going through is like the the first 10 hours of the game maybe are fine because you you only have like four or five
1: spells. (laughs) Yeah.
0: But then all of a sudden you learn four more and then... You unlock the next four slots so you can have a hotkey basically that now I have four different spells at my disposal and oh I stop pressing the hotkey I can go back to my other four spells and it, it's really like you gotta arrange it it's a little clunky and it takes some getting used to how to cycle between what eventually becomes 16 equipped spells and 20 plus spells that you need to actually use throughout so it, it's a bit of a hindrance I guess to equip new spells and then kind of keep things orderly. You got
1: to rearrange it once in a while.
0: So you have like, yeah, I'm working on the Room of Requirements, so I need to... Change it up. Inspiration spells and Conjuring spells, and and then I'm exploring right now, so I need invisibility, and I need my Lumos, and I need my repair in case I need to repair the bridge to walk across it. Yeah. So you need all different things, and then obviously combat is where you have the most spells.
1: Then you got to arrange them certain ways that they kind of work together because sometimes you need both. For me,
0: I think one of my biggest reactions to the game was just seeing how it was really a labor of love from the movies, both Fantastic Beasts and the Harry Potter movies. It really brought those visuals to life. It, it, it's that version of the game, much so based visually off of the movies. existing Harry Potter movie universe. And I assume that a lot of that's at the Universal Park that we've never been to, but we might go soon. Yeah. But having said all that, like, I think they did a great job labor of love to the series and to everything that's a part of that universe like the beasts animals
1: attention to details the clothing detail. the change of different wardrobe
0: all the easter eggs from the movies like the prefect's bathroom has the entrance the girls bathroom has the entrance to the chamber of secrets marker on it. supposed so, yeah. to be there and i think that's what makes all the difference yeah so that was my initial reaction to it and my overall thoughts like a month later now it still is overwhelming me with how much there is possibly to do. We've both finished the story. We both have finished a majority of the challenges and found a lot of the hidden secrets, but there's still so much to do. For example, every house has their own story mission, so there's a opportunity to do more quests that we haven't gotten to do yet just based on we haven't been able to play as all four houses.
1: Yeah, I wish there was more post-game stuff to do where you could run around with your characters Sure,
0: I agree. I wish there was some additional boss fights. A good example is God of War, where you, you go through the main story, but once you're done, they left you all this stuff to do, like
1: the Valkyries. Fight. Yeah,
0: and then the new one they had the dead ghosts or whatever that come to life by the gravestones and just the other different challenges that you can do. So, having said all that, I, I think you could definitely recommend Hogwarts, especially if you're a fan of the universe. But even if you're just a fan of open world exploration RPG, this is great.
1: It's a great game.
0: Getting it stick and being able to just fly around.
1: Oh my God. I remember I was like, I'm not going to be able to fly because
0: I struggled to fly.
1: Yeah, this one is nothing like flying a plane in some game.
0: This one feels right. I think it's safe to say we're both definitely enjoying our time with Hogwarts. Yeah. It's definitely something we would buy.
1: Yeah, if it comes expansion, I'm sure we're going to get it.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the things, as I hope there's more to this world. You know, I've even heard talk that they want to turn the story into a HBO series, which is fine.
1: Yeah, that'll be actually good because the movies are fine for what they are. But as a series, it will bring a lot more of the world to the mainstream.
0: I think there's a lot of unfortunate circumstances around the movies, you know, and we don't have to get into all of it right now. But Johnny Depp, obviously the whole get rid of him and recast him and such an important character isn't involved. And just the pandemic in general, slowing down production on the series and waiting three, four years maybe for a next entry to come out. I don't exactly remember how long, but I, I just feel things lose steam, things lose momentum. And that obviously the pandemic did that to a lot of things. Okay. I think that about wraps it up on Hogwarts Legacy, but we're both highly recommending the game, and especially if you're into the open world exploration. All right. I'm going to wrap up this podcast this week by talking a little baseball. We are currently watching the World Baseball Classic. It's just started airing, so we're going to not really talk too much about that. But one thing we did want to say is we ran into this problem because we don't have cable and we want to watch it. So what do you do? I thought (laughs) we would just share our information with people because we explore all the streaming options we can to try and find everything that we can get to watch what we want to watch. Over the years, we've burned through our YouTube TV trials.
1: YouTube and Hulu, I think.
0: Yeah. We've never had live Hulu. It's a little bit more convoluted to get a trial. Now, there is like Fubo, and there's also YouTube TV, but they only offer two-week or one-week trials. And
1: they also don't offer all the sports channels because we watch mostly sports on TV.
0: That's all we have TV for. Yeah. And I think one of the things we're most critical of when it comes to sports broadcasting industry is that they just haven't adapted with the times fast enough to get their content on enough Streaming. streaming services for people. I think the biggest reason I wanted to get rid of cable was to just not have millions of channels anymore that I don't watch.
1: We don't. We really don't. We watch
0: YouTube. I've always maintained that I would pay extra just to watch the baseball and the sports that I want to watch and not necessarily pay the the huge monthly overages for stuff
1: that we don't watch.
0: Yeah. Hallmark Channel.
1: Lifestyle, CNNs, MSNBC, The Real yeah. We don't watch that stuff. We get our news from YouTube. Like most people. We got this package to try it out from Sling.
0: Yeah, we we decided to go with Sling because they had options to get both FS1 and FS2. And there is games on both channels for the World Baseball Classic, as well as regular Fox Network. And MLB Network is on here as well. So we have all the baseball stuff and we're just going to have it for a month and they have a half-off special. So you get to try it for a month half-off, and wound up being about, like, 33 bucks just to get access to all the World Baseball Classic games. And that was something that, I guess, we just kind of decided worked for us, but we wanted to kind of share if you're in this situation or you want to watch the Super Bowl, but it's not on Peacock this year or something. Like, you you have options, you know? You have other things to explore, and hopefully in the future they get more of this stuff worked.
1: Yeah, I, I hope it's more of an a à la carte. That was the big appeal when the streaming service just came out it was like oh we're gonna give you a la carte you pick your channels that is non-existent anymore yeah. and it's a really messed up situation that's our experience with sling
0: yeah i mean it's not my favorite interface to be honest i like the youtube tv interface
1: better maybe because we got
0: used um, to it i mean the thing with sling is there's not a free trial but this is probably the next best thing and you don't have to commit to anything longer than that All right, so World Baseball Classic. We'll probably talk about that a little bit more on the next episode. But for now, I thought we wanted to kind of talk about a couple of the teams we follow and what our expectations are for
1: 2023. Padres all the
0: way. Man, the Padres are going to become the most hated team in baseball. This. They have one of the coolest lineups. Yeah. And they also have Tatis, who he needs to have a redemption season. I know there's going to be a lot of fans booing him. Whatever, he deserves it. And I also feel like he'll deal with it, and it'll be ancient history. But as far as the Padres go, big off season for the Padres. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, you could say it started last year. When, when they, they start signing Musgrove. That was the same week that they traded away their entire farm system <laughs> for Juan Soto and for Brandon Drury, who's not on the teammate. Yeah. We still have Soto for two years and now
1: We had Machado.
0: Yeah, since then, Musgrove has signed a longer extension. Hugh Darvish has signed an extension. Yes. Manny Machado has now signed an extension. Xander Bogarts. We're basically going to have all these guys until they're 40. And this is already on top of Tatis, who has, I think, 13 or 12 years left. So what we're trying to get at is, like, these core players, at least the, the big four we just mentioned, Soto, Tatis, Machado, and Bogarts, are all together for the next two years. Bogarts, Machado, and Tatis plus Darvish and Musgrove are together for at least the next five years. So you have a couple of great pitchers and three great hitters. I mean, you have the foundations of a great run here. Yes. Um, And that's saying something about a team that doesn't have a World Series championship to its name.
1: I heard somebody said that Padres are cursed. They're talking about
0: that because one of the other teams we're going to talk about here is the Cubs. And being from Chicago, I grew up a Cubs fan. My conversion to the Padres is only more recent in life. I think a lot of it came from Fernando, to be honest. But growing up a Cubs fan, that's cursed team. But they broke the curse. So, And so every curse can be broken. Cubs can win the Padres.
1: This is what you learn from Hogwarts. Curses can be broken.
0: Exactly. So I think we have pretty high expectations for the Padres this year. We want, I think, anything less of like a World Series appearance is going to feel like a letdown. And I would even argue that if they don't win a World Series before Soto's contract expires, in two years. Also be considered a disappointment. Yeah. I'm not talking about the end of this season, but by the end of next season, if they extend Soto before, then it, it maybe opens that window up longer in my mind. But that's a lot of money on the book. We know that Soto wants to be the quote unquote first $500 million man in baseball. And we'll just see how all that works out.
1: Yeah, they can't wait too long to get it.
0: Also, we've talked about how we feel like they have the right manager. Bob Melvin, he he seems pretty even keel, and he seems like a good Phil Jackson-type coach to sort of juggle all of these egos that are on his team. But yeah, we wanted to kind of touch on a couple other teams that we follow as well. The Cubs are going to be interesting to watch this year because they have a new look yeah. with Dansby Swanson and Cody Bellinger and, and Wilson Contreras being gone. So I, I think the Cubs are going to be interesting to watch. I, I, I think the Cardinals got to be the favorites. Cardinals have a completely different makeup too. A lot of the players are gone. Wainwright is getting up there. He's starting for USA. Yeah, it'll be interesting to watch the, the NL Central as always. Interesting. Then we want to kind of turn our attention to the AL West a little bit. Your favorite Player is Otani. Yep. My thing with watching the Angels is, are they going to make the playoffs ever in their life with Trout and Otani? Because I got to feel like I don't see if it. they don't show signs of being on the right track to being competitive in that division, then it is going to be a tough sell to keep Shohei Otani in Los Angeles.
1: I have a hard time seeing Angels going anywhere this year, honestly.
0: Well, there's a couple reasons for that. You have one and two best players in baseball with Trout and Otani.
1: Yep. Who else is in there?
0: Well. I mean, you would have Judge up there and Machado.
1: And, no, 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 for Angels. Oh. As a player that can carry the team.
0: There's really? not a lot. You yeah. Know? And and part of that is because they had bad money on one of those contracts that they wound up letting go. Of. Okay. They're in a tough division. The Astros, no signs of letting up. They, they just continue to get to the postseason and make life miserable for anyone they play, including that's winning even, it all last year.
1: But no. that's even more reason for Angels to get their shit together yeah. and spend money. But they're not.
0: And then you also have the Rangers. We were talking about the Rangers last year because their farm system is just crawling with talent. And they've added a few veterans like DeGrom and, and other pieces. And then you have the Mariners in that division. Yeah. Playoffs last year and have the best young player in baseball with Julio Rodriguez. If he has a monster season, he could carry them. Yeah. That's I mean, what I'm going to be watching with, with the Angels this year. I mean, you talking about a division that I'm kind of curious to see what happens. All right. So kind of going to end this with... Just Give us a couple predictions here. Like, what is going to be your... Okay, I know you get this kind of confused. So We'll start with American League. We'll go in alphabetical order. Like, who's going to be the American League MVP?
1: Well, that's going to be Otani.
0: I I agree. I, I think Judge did historic things last year in the home run title. I don't see him doing that again, and I also don't see him even if he hits 60 again this year, I don't see it having the same effect. If he hits 60 home runs and the Yankees finish 40 games over 500 and they're favorites to win it all and they go on and win it all, maybe. But I I don't think anyone's going to be more impactful than Otani on the pitching and...
1: And hitting, yep.
0: I also think playing in the world baseball classic is going to give some of these guys a competitive edge early on in the season because they will be coming off of playing games aren't exhibition games They're like there's pride on the line world Mm -hmm. baseball classic for these countries and and i would think japan especially wants to like a strong showing and he's the backbone of their team so yeah i'm just looking at the totality of it i think he's going to be poised and ripe to have a a really strong one of his strongest seasons and then national league mvp
1: i'm gonna go with manny machado
0: yeah he Came close last year, and I just think it's it's it hard to go wrong with Machado, Soto, or Tatis because
1: one of them get it.
0: Just to the fact that all of those names are hitting next to each other, and it's not to take anything away from Bogart. So I just don't think he has the the offensive home run power to be considered up there with the other three. But he's still an integral part of that lineup that makes all those other three. Better in my opinion, all three of them are NL MVP candidates, but I'm gonna go with Fernando just because I feel like if anyone's playing with purpose though in their career at this point, it's him.
1: He's got a hill to climb and prove himself.
0: Unfortunate situation, and hopefully he's gonna move past it. So all right. Well, that's baseball. That's our predictions. Who's gonna play in the world series? Who's gonna win the world series?
1: I'm just going with the Yankees then.
0: I think that's a good choice. Yeah. I think yeah. Yankees Padres, Astros Padres. I think it's gonna be one of those two.
1: Astros they won't last year, so I don't think they're going to repeat that.
0: No, but they keep sneaking in there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. Okay, we are going to wrap up this episode of Coffee and Gaming. Episode number one is in the books. Make some adjustments going forward, I'm sure, but hopefully you stick with us. And especially when it comes to the food stuff, I'm excited to share everything we've learned. and uh, going We're
1: trying to make it complicated. We're going to try to make it fun.
0: All right, stay tuned for episode two, and we'll talk on the flip side. This is Ken signing off, and... Nika. Take care.
1: Bye.